Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. on this resurrection morning to celebrate with us. Hallelujah. We'd love for you to be here in person, but since you can't be, we'll come to your house this morning. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Mark, the 15th chapter. Good job, Brother Darrell and Pat and Ethan. Hallelujah. Mark 15, 42. I'll be reading out of the New International Version. It was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he had learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of a rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. And then Luke said in his gospel, Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So I want to talk to you this morning about not only the resurrection, of course, we're going to discuss the resurrection this morning, but I also want to talk to you about losing faith and hope when it counts the most. And one thing I've learned about human nature over the years is that people, for the most part, give up and they give up too soon. And when something happens that we didn't expect or didn't see it coming, we throw up our hands and uh, we say things like, I can't believe it. I didn't see that one coming. I guess it's over now. I never thought I would see this day. And it's kind of a, a way of us saying that we give up. It's the end of the road for us. And this is kind of how the disciples felt. They gave up on Jesus because he was dead. And this is the same man that healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils, walked on waters, calmed the storms, and now he's dead. How can this be? Oh, woe is me. And this is where most of our country is at right now. We're looking around at what happened since the election and saying, I can't believe it. I didn't see that coming. I guess it's over now. I never thought I'd see the day. Stick a fork in me. I'm done. And some people still can't believe it. But instead of mourning like the disciples did, instead of feeling sorry for ourselves and saying, woe is me, we should be looking towards the future because this is not the end. If we keep dwelling on our present circumstances, then just like the disciples, we'll lose faith and all our hope. And I'm not being political right now. I'm just trying to show you the mindset of the disciples after Jesus was crucified. 
They never imagined that the man they put all their faith and hope in is really gone. And the Bible says they went home. He told them plainly, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days will rise again. He told them plainly. He taught it. And, and I mean, why did their faith and hope end when Jesus was killed? That's when their faith died. That's when their hope died. Why didn't they put their faith and hope in the future? Why didn't they put their faith and hope in the resurrection that Jesus spoke about? Well, I mean, he said, I will rise again after three days. That's pretty plain. Instead, they believed the worst and lost all hope. But this is what happens when we focus on the wrong things. Because they thought Jesus came to muster up an army and set them free from Roman rule and, and start a, a kingdom here on the earth, a physical kingdom, and, and take the throne of David back. And that will eventually happen. But Jesus came here to set up a spiritual kingdom. He came to set up the kingdom of God. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem last week on Palm Sunday riding on a colt, the people were crying, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And they're throwing their cloaks on the ground and the palm branches. But as soon as they realized that his kingdom wasn't of this world, they started crying, crucify him, crucify him. They were disappointed in Jesus. And by the end of the week, Jesus was betrayed by his friend and deserted by the rest of his followers. He was arrested, mocked, punched, slapped, beaten, put on trial, taken before Pilate, brutally whipped at the whipping post, sentenced to be crucified, forced to carry our cross on his back, and then he was nailed to it. The king was dead. It was over. And with it went all of their dreams, their faith, and their hope in a future. And because the Sabbath was upon them, religion kept them from giving Jesus a proper burial. The disciples couldn't even hold a decent funeral for him. They couldn't say goodbye to their mentor, leader, teacher, best friend, and someone that they loved with all their heart. And the people that have lost loved ones during this pandemic and couldn't go to the hospital and say goodbye and couldn't hold a proper funeral with their friends and loved ones know exactly what I'm talking about. The rest of us can only imagine what that's like. It's not good. But what were they feeling? What was their reaction to what just happened? I think I can tell you how they felt. They were distraught, hopeless, in despair. They were confused, angry, and fearful, kind of like a lot of people today. They were wondering what was going to happen next. But to the best of my knowledge, not one of them mentioned anything about the resurrection. All they talked about was Jesus' death. And it wasn't until the angel at the tomb told them that he had risen and that they remembered his words that on the third day he would rise. They remembered his words that on the third day he would rise after the resurrection, not before. How could they forget something like that? Uh, if I was following Jesus and he told me that he would be killed, but on the third day he would rise... I'd like to think that I would have believed him and I would have been at the tomb bright and early on Easter morning 
to greet him when he come out of that grave. I'd like to think that I would do that. I know they knew about the resurrection because Job, Daniel, Isaiah, and Jesus himself prophesied a resurrection, taught about the resurrection. He made it plain that he would rise from the dead. This thing was not done in a corner. This thing was done in the open. It was prophesied hundreds of years before that there would be a resurrection. And what's really interesting about Job is he didn't have any reference to the scriptures. Job didn't have a Bible. He was probably a contemporary of Abraham and maybe lived at the time of the 12 patriarchs, but there was no written word for him to refer to. And, and yet he had spiritual insight from God that there would be a resurrection and he would be raised physically, bodily. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last or the last day. And even after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. Job knew about a resurrection. The prophet Isaiah said, but those who die in the Lord will live. Their bodies will rise again. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Those who sleep in the earth will rise up and sing for joy, for your life-giving light will fall like dew on your people in the place of the dead. Isaiah said that some 800 years before Jesus was even crucified. Daniel spoke of a resurrection. He said, many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. And Jesus taught about the resurrection on more than one occasion. Uh, So the disciples were no strangers to the resurrection. And you would think they would be curious enough to at least show up at the tomb on Easter morning. But they didn't. The disciples didn't go to the tomb on Easter morning. A few women went to the tomb that morning. But they didn't go to see a resurrection. They went to finish embalming him and make sure that he stayed dead. Besides, they didn't get there till after the resurrection. So they weren't looking for a resurrection. In Matthew 28 and 5, it says, An angel spoke to the women and said, Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said he would. Come see where his body was lying. So they're there after the resurrection. It's past tense now. The resurrection is history. And they didn't get to witness it. The religious leaders told Pilate in Matthew 27, 63, Sir, we remember what that deceiver once said while he was alive. After three days, I will rise from the dead. Even the devil remembered what he said. Even the devil knew about the resurrection. But his disciples didn't believe it. Jesus had a conversation about the resurrection with Martha, the sister of Lazarus. You know, the one Jesus raised from the dead? And his disciples were there with him when he had this conversation with Martha. And I'm sure his sisters prayed for Lazarus to be healed and silently thought during his illness, just like all of us when we pray for a loved one to be healed, if only Jesus would come and heal him or her before it's too late. That would be our prayer, right? 
And, and, uh, but Jesus didn't arrive on time. As a matter of fact, when he got the news of Lazarus, he abode two more days in the place where they were at. He had a bigger plan than just healing Lazarus. Yes. But we don't see those things. We look at the natural. We look at what's happening physically. We go according to how we feel. So Jesus didn't arrive in time. Instead, he shows up four days later after the funeral, and Lazarus was already in the tomb. And as he arrives, Jesus is met by Martha, and she's clearly upset, and she sort of gives him the what for because he didn't get there in time to heal her brother. So she couldn't get past the circumstances. She couldn't get past present-day uh, circumstances, and she was still in the past. And Jesus was there to point her to the future. And, and uh, she was like you and I would be if someone we really cared for would have missed our loved one's funeral. And we'd be like, well, look what the cat drug in. He really wanted to see you before he died, but it's too late now. It's too late now. And then we live with regrets. Do it now while they're here. Amen. You know, uh, Pastor Ed and I are discussing our end-time plans, should the Lord tarry and we go by way of the grave. And I don't want a funeral. I want to be cremated from my bed or from the, house, or from the hospital, wherever I'm at. I want to be cremated and then have a memorial service. I don't want come, people coming around looking at my dead body. You want to see me, you come now while I'm still alive and I can talk to you. Don't come and see me when I'm dead. I ain't interested in that visit. Amen? Everybody feels differently about it. That's all right. That's my feeling. Amen? <laughs> but Martha had a good reason to be upset with the Lord because Jesus was a close friend of the family. And she also knew he could have easily healed her brother, and that's what she expected. And Martha made that clear when she told Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So we know what she felt like. We know what she was thinking. And then I guess she finally calmed down a little and she says to Jesus, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus is like, oh, really? Well, we'll just see about that. Do you believe your brother will rise again? And Martha said, I know he will rise again. In the resurrection at the last day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Yep. See, she was in the past. She was in the present. She was in the future. And, and Jesus is saying, I am right now, present tense, the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, I don't know if she understood it or not. It's confusing to me. But Martha apparently had enough faith for Jesus to heal her brother because she said if you just got here in time, you could have healed him. But not for Jesus to raise him from the dead, at least not now. And how many knows faith is now? Yep. Uh, Hebrews 11 says now faith is the substance, not past faith, not uh, future faith, but now. We have to apply faith to right now. But then Jesus asked her this important question. And it's a question we're all going to answer before we die. He asked her, do you believe this? 
And uh, Martha's like, do I believe what, Lord? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? That was her, the question to her. Do you believe that anyone who believes in me will live even after dying? I'm saying the same thing I just read, just in a different way. Do you believe that everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die? Do you believe this, Martha? Another way of putting it would be, do you believe I'm the son of God? Do you believe that I died for your sins? Do you believe that I rose from the dead? And this is something we must all believe if we ever want to go to heaven, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he became the prototype for every born-again believer that followed him. Without his resurrection, we would have no resurrection. He's the proof of the pudding. Amen? How can we be resurrected if our founder wasn't resurrected? He's, like I said, the prototype, our example of a resurrection. And when he said that we will rise again someday through the prophets and himself saying it, then he had to rise from the dead in order for us to be able to do it. So anyway, uh, Martha probably didn't really understand it the way she should, and I'm not even sure we understand it the way that we should. But uh, just like the Lord said to her, it seemed like it was just too much to hope for because she was looking, someday he will, in the resurrection. And, and then Jesus is taken to the place where his friend is buried. And as he arrives at the gravesite, of course, you know what's going on at a gravesite, a whole bunch of mourning and crying and reminiscing and talking about his death and all of that. But in, G- in uh, John eleven thirty five, the Bible says, Jesus wept. This is the shortest sentence in the Bible, but it's so profound it could be preached upon for years and years and never exhaust those two little words that Jesus wept. And there were times that we had things to do after church. We'd have a dinner engagement or something, and Chris would say, Dad, you ain't going to preach all day, are you? We got to be at the restaurant by 1 o'clock or something. He said, let me preach, Dad, let me preach. I said, what would you preach? He says, I'd preach. Jesus wept. Y'all a bunch of sinners. Go home. (laughs) And he probably would be the quickest sermon in the world. (laughs) But he wouldn't do justice to the scripture. But Jesus wasn't weeping for Lazarus because he knew that in just a few short minutes, Lazarus would be jumping up, dancing, running around the church. So he wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He would have been happy for Lazarus. So why was he weeping? He was weeping for those that were left behind. He was weeping for the mourners. He was weeping for you and I. He was weeping for you, Brother Darrell, and your family, and you, Miss Karen, and your family. You haven't been able to say a proper goodbye to your mother yet either. And for everyone that's ever lost a loved one, Jesus was weeping for you. He wept. He was compassionate. Jesus had the heart of hearts. Amen. So he was moved with compassion at their sorrow and grief. And Lazarus experienced a physical resurrection that day. He came out of the grave like the song said. And that song gets me excited. And uh, last time Miss Shannon ran around the church, I had my eyes closed and missed it. I felt a little breeze, but I didn't know what it was. I found out later she ran around the church, and I felt terrible because she ran by herself. 
But I happened to have my eyes open today. I was reading the screen when she ran by, so I ran with her. And I turned around, Pastor Red thought she was going to sit that one out. I grabbed her, she ran. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> wow, we was running out of that grave. Hallelujah. So Lazarus experienced a physical resurrection that day. Only problem was he was going to have to die again. You know, the Bible says that we all have an appointment with death. Well, poor old Lazarus had two of them. <laughs> so we're promised a resurrection of our physical body as well. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4, he said, we're not to grieve like people who have no hope. And we are supposed to grieve but not like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we can also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So we do grieve, but we don't grieve like the world because we have a blessed hope. Hallelujah. We're going to see our loved ones again. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you. I think everybody in here has some loved ones in heaven. And I got good news for you. You're going to see them again. Hallelujah. And they're going to see you. There's going to be a great reunion in the sky someday. When that trumpet sounds and the voice from heaven, there's going to be a reunion in that sky. Hallelujah. That's the hope that we have. And I understand the time between the crucifixion and the resurrection had to be the darkest time ever for Jesus' followers. As far as his disciples were concerned, Everything they believed in was dead and buried in the tomb with Jesus. All their hopes were in that tomb. All their faith was in that tomb. All their aspirations, all their dreams, their whole future was in that tomb. And it was their fault for believing like that. How many know sometimes we just believe wrong things? We think wrong things. And that's why we got to always go back to the word. I know what happened. I know what it looks like. But what's the word say? Yeah. yeah, Jesus is dead. But the word says he will rise again on the third day. Let's head down to the cemetery. I don't want to miss this. Hallelujah. But what they didn't realize is what was waiting for them on the other side of that grave, on the other side of that tomb. And we know they knew about the resurrection. I already told you that, but... I believe they either lost sight of it or they just didn't believe it to begin with. I know those are strong words, but if you think I'm wrong, let me ask you a question. Why weren't any of them at the tomb waiting for him on that third day? If you ask me, it should have looked like a Trump rally in that cemetery that morning. That's how it should have looked. That cemetery should have been overflowing. Waiting for Jesus to come out of that tomb. I'll tell you what, I know I'd have been there. I know I'd have been excited. And the first creak that stone made, I'd have been up on my feet. Hallelujah. Waiting. I said, something's, something's shaking here. Something's rumbling because there was an earthquake and that stone was rolled away. I would have been there. I, you know, it's easy for me to say that. In retrospect, in hindsight, because hindsight is always clear, but I know in my heart I would have been there. Hallelujah. I'd have been waiting. And, you know, everybody loves a good comeback. Am I right? We love to see an underdog come back and be victorious over whether it was a ball game or whatever. 
And, and, and that's why you keep watching your loser of a sports team. You're waiting, for, <laughs> you're waiting for them to make a comeback, but they can't, <laughs> they can't come back from somewhere they've never been in the first place. And you, know, <laughs> and you know what? I hate to say this, but <laughs> it takes less faith to believe in a resurrection than some of them sports teams you're waiting for to make a comeback. Amen. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd rather look for a resurrection and see some of these sports. Hey, I'm a, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. You know how many years I waited for that comeback they had? I don't think I'm going to see another one before Jesus returns. <laughs> the greatest comeback in human history with, in just a few short hours was going to take place, and there was nobody there to witness it. What was his disciples doing? One of them went fishing, and the other ones were hiding. That's what religion does that doesn't have the promise of a a resurrection. Because when that time comes and the rubber meets the road, they're going to find out. They're going to be wanting to hide. They're going to want the mountains to cover them up. Why? Because they never believed the things that they should have believed. Amen. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? You know how many religions believe that? You know how many people believe there's no resurrection? That when you die, that's it. Just like a dog, you're dead and kick you to the curb. It's over. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. But if there be, uh, uh, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. In other words, what I'm preaching this morning is for naught. It's in vain. Might as well take our Bibles out back, start a fire, have a make s'mores, and go home. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain, you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope, I mean, if this is all it is, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. I'm telling you, without a resurrection to look forward to, we'd be miserable. Jesus' physical death was not the end because death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 also, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The grave lost its victory because it couldn't hold him. Death lost its sting because some of us won't have to die. And even if we do die, it's like getting a little shot. That's about the sting of death now. Jesus took the sting out of death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And he boldly declared in Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. Where did he get those keys? He went down into the bowels of hell grabbed the devil by the neck, took the keys from the devil, and defeated him and made a show of him openly in his very own domain. I'm telling you, if you want to go to war, you do it on somebody else's soil. 
Don't fight the war here and destroy everything. Jesus said, no, you stay right where you're at. I'll come down there. And he did. That's what he did the three days he was in the grave. He was down there kicking behinds and taking names. Hallelujah. And he rose victoriously with the keys of death and hell in his hand, which means nobody has to go to hell and nobody has to die anymore. Jesus holds them keys now. The devil held them before. So this is a day of triumph. This is a day of victory and celebration because Jesus Christ is alive. And because Jesus is alive, we too have been made alive with him already spiritually. And we have the promise of a physical resurrection someday as well. Now I'm getting ready to close. I don't preach too long on holidays because I know uh, this is an important time for family. And I'm sure you all have hams or turkeys or something in the oven. And I don't want them to become a burnt offering. So I'm getting ready to close, but before we go, can I ask you something? Can I? Okay. I just want to make sure I got your permission. And uh, what I want to ask you is the same thing Jesus asked Martha before he raised Lazarus, her brother, from the dead. Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe that he rose from the dead? And like I said, this is a question that we all have to answer someday. And you say, well, I just won't answer it. Then that's your answer. You will answer this question someday. And this is something we must all believe if we ever want to go to heaven. There are certain things you have to believe about the Bible. Number one, you have to believe it was a virgin birth. Number two, you have to believe that Jesus took on your sins and your iniquities and became your substitute, took them to the cross and died. You have to believe that. You have to believe that Jesus was buried but rose again. If you don't believe in a resurrection, you're not saved. Besides that, if there's no resurrection, what are you saved to? Like that song said years ago, if this is all there is, I don't want it. You can keep it. I don't know if that was exact words, but something like that. But this is a question we all have to answer, so why not answer it today? Why not get it over with and answer it today? Facebook family, Spotify, YouTube, his tube, their tube. But this is something we have to believe if we want to go to heaven, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He made that clear to Martha. And Martha eventually answered the question correctly because she said in John eleven twenty seven, 27, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. It's the only right answer to this question. It's the only answer that will save you and secure your eternal future in heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a way, a truth, or a life. He is the There is no other way to heaven. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm the gate to the sheepfold. No man enters in except through the gate. If anyone enters in another way like Lucifer did, Satan did, he's a liar and a thief. So we have to enter in through the gate. There's only one sheepfold, one shepherd, and we have to enter in through his gate. That's the only way in. 
So will you join me this morning by repeating after me a simple prayer? Just say this after me. Say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Son of God. Yes, Lord. I believe that you died for me. Yes, Lord. I believe you rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive my sins and come into my life. I confess you as Lord. Isn't that easy? Some people think it's too easy. It's like, no, 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 there's got to be more to it than this. There must be something I have to do. I have to give an offering. I have to be good. I have to fast from this. I have to help little old ladies and men across the street. No, this is it. That's how simple salvation is. And Jesus made it that way. It's not a complicated thing. He wants you saved. He wants you to go to heaven. But we have to make this confession if we want to go. And if you made the decision to answer those questions this morning, and you answered yes, 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 with your mouth, and it came from your heart, then you were just born again. You were saved. Welcome to the family of God. You are now in the kingdom of God and on your way to heaven. That's as simple as it is. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So you have to believe it in your heart, say it with your mouth. So if what just came out of your mouth came from your heart, from something you believed in your heart, that's faith. And that's enough faith to get you born again, get you saved and on your way to heaven. Don't let anybody or any, any devil talk you out of it. If you said that prayer and you meant it from your heart, you are born again and you are on your way to heaven. Hallelujah. So happy Resurrection Sunday. Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. Amen. And we pray that you have a blessed day. But before you go, I want to pray over you. I promise I get done early. I usually do on a holiday. The kids probably haven't even found all their Easter eggs yet out there. But Father, I pray right now over these and those within the sound of my voice and the Facebook family, social media family. I pray that they have a blessed day. I pray that they're in right standing with you. If they're not, I pray that they would go back and pray that prayer and mean it from their heart so that they can get born again and get into the family of God. We are a blessed people because you're a heavenly father that loves us with all your heart, loves us enough to send your son to die for us. But he rose again on the third day. And that was proof that everything he did was for us. That was proof that our sins are forgiven. Because if our sins weren't forgiven, if he died with those sins on his soul and he wasn't righteous and he wasn't justified, then he would have never rose from the dead and we would still be in our sins and we would have no promise of a resurrection or a future in heaven. But he did it, and he did it for us. Hallelujah. He rose from the dead. We have enough witnesses in the Bible, but I got a witness in my spirit. I know in my spirit this morning that my Redeemer lives. Just like Job said, my Redeemer lives. I know it. He does. Hallelujah. So we thank you that your blessings are upon these people in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord, that they'll have a wonderful day, a wonderful celebration of your resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen.
and amen. God bless you. We love you and appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk to you later. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.